think that your computer had the holes for that power cord. No, that was good. It was going to be plugged in in any moment. I chose not to. Um, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We had, we had uh, a good five minutes of banter that would have been appropriate for the podcast. It would have been excellent. And then I almost electrocuted myself and forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's all good now. Yeah, I would like to think so. So, uh, have you discovered anything life-altering in our exploration of the raincoat files? Yeah, I learned a lot. Okay, cool. <laughs> I learned, well, you know, we've been uncovering a lot. It's a lot of high, sensitive information, a lot of uh, pinning down leads, a lot of... A lot of footwork in the field, I'm going to say, more than I usually put into this. <laughs> I've been almost, a man almost ran me off the road, and as he drove by, he waved his fist and said, stay out of our business. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds very uh, intimidating. Yeah, and then he told me, this is a private driveway, you can't turn around. <laughs> and I said... I didn't see the sign. It's dark. What are you hiding up here? <laughs> but I can't come up here and turn around in your driveway. And uh, that part of my investigation is kind of stalled out because they chased me off. Oh, okay. And that's really about... We'll bring that. It's about where we are uh, on learning what they have. Okay. Well, uh, that's quite uh, a bit of progress. Yeah, I've got some speculation. One, spaceship. Two, sex ship. Three, sex spaceship. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Like in Life Force. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're building one of, they got one of those up there. They got a barn, but I don't, it's not really a barn, you know? Oh, yeah, space barn. No, it's just like a shell. Barns are kind of just shells anyway, when you, when you think about it. Aren't we all just shells? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no point even if that's true, then why am I going out night after night and staking this place out? I guess that's a question you need to ask yourself. You were the one who opened these raincoat files. Yeah, and I'm bound to close them now, but we're, we can't do it yet because we have two more weeks of it. Yeah, yeah. We're getting so close to the truth that they're going to file a restraining order. <laughs> so you've got to send us money. Yes. Uh, please send us money. I can't afford another lawyer. <laughs> I need you. I need your money to get to the truth. I need it. They're trying to shut us down. The globalists, the globalists in alliance with the grays, <laughs> the centipede men, and... The ATF. Oh. They don't want me to have access to alcohol or tobacco or firearms anymore. Well, this is a nightmare. It's a bureaucratic nightmare. <laughs> You're going to have to file a petition. Did I tell you they hit me with a ray that scrambled my brain and that's why I'm the way I am right now? That would make a lot of sense. You had such an amazing brain in the past. Yeah, it got wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they so, hit me with a scramble ray, and now I can't even do the things I used to do. <laughs> like machines. <laughs> like, uh, like I used to be as good as any machine with my amazing brain. Any machine? Any machine in this kitchen. Any at, well, at what? Anything? Just the things they do. I would be able to do them better because of my brain. And right now, that's a little impaired. I don't think you'd be able to cook better than my oven. No, I think I, I, think I got this one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I would simply start a fire and then um, rotate whatever you wanted me to cook you over the fire until it was fully... A flame. 
how would you uh how would you do a pizza i don't feel like you could rotate that over a fire no i would get um i would spear it in the center and then like rotate it okay i feel like the pe the the cheese is just gonna fall straight into the fire no it's like centrifugal force Oh, so you need to get it up to speed. If you just, any speed, you just keep it going, nothing can happen to it. Now, that includes when I pull off the fire, I have to keep it going, too. Otherwise, it'll immediately just slop right in, and then you'll have nothing. See, this is the sort of research that the Raincoat Institute needs to dig deeper in on. Yeah, well, that's what I'm working on, and we're doing it with the the ad contributions of our uh, followers. Uh, yes, thank you, followers, for uh, listening to our ads. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Boss put them there, and we made a dollar. Uh, we did, so uh, we're <laughs> we're up from where we were. <laughs> I want to buy a sign to frame the dollar and spend the dollar in the process buying the sign. <laughs> but, you know, I think it would look nice up there, you know? I feel like the first dollar should be spent at a porn shop, but you can't really buy anything at a porn shop for a dollar. Do they have, like, Lucy condoms I could get? Ooh, maybe. Like, just, like, tear me off like two Trojans and send me on my way? (laughs) (laughs) I I would like to think that a a good, uh, fine establishment would be able to do that for you. I think so. I don't. They got those machines in the bathroom at gas stations. I've never been really in a bathroom at a, a porn shop. They probably don't have them for a reason. <laughs> the bathrooms at a porn shop just have holes in the walls. It's just a hole in the wall. <laughs> and whatever you put in, I can tell you what, it goes down. It goes it- down easy. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we are the Raincoat Report. This is Boss with Jeremy. And we're back. We've got another Raincoat file for you this week. We're going to blast right off into space and do a little of uh, my favorite hobby of uh, cryptozoology. Yes. In space. Xenocryptozoology. Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, um, this is Boss and uh, Jeremy's here too. Yes. Jeremy, how was your weekend? Great. Do you imagine most of my weekends are great? Um, no. Okay. Your weekends are terrible because you were working the entire time. Oh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, I have a terrible... You had a terrible weekend. I had a great weekend. I stayed at home and watched... Bonzo goes to... <laughs> I don't know. Something with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Bedtime for Bonzo? Yeah. Bedtime for Bonzo. I watched Camp Nowhere. <laughs> I watched Detroit Rock City and a little movie called Waiting to Exhale. You know, boss, you have a great taste in movies. Yeah, I just watch them all. Any movie will do. As long (laughs) as I'm watching a movie, I'm a happy little piggy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you can't tell, this week they did a mind switch on us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why I sound like Jeremy, and Jeremy sounds like boss. Well, the the best part now is that uh because of the brain switch that means that you the audience get to listen to the film being summarized in jeremy's voice oh yeah pass it over i will i'll do it let's uh you don't do you want my notes uh yes okay they are don't look at anything else on my my, laptop it's my notes well don't look at anything else on your laptop (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't want to go through your shit that's fair oh this one's plugged in also oh (laughs) this this is not gonna work it's fine oh god you broke it this one's gonna be fun for you to edit (laughs) 
Okay, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, this week we're talking about The Beast in Space. Uh-huh. Yes, we're going to talk about The Beast in Space, a film by, I think, an Italian man named Giuseppe <laughs> Gina, <laughs> Gina Davis. Uh, remember on your laptop that you have IMDb pulled up? You have IMDb and the adult film database. I'm not used to this body. It's um, far nicer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget that the touchpad on your laptop sticks, so you might want to tap more than press. Don't forget that you mine's, yours isn't a touch screen, no matter how many times you try to touch it. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, this week we're talking about The Beast in Space, a 1980 film by Alfonso Brescia, uh, or as I like to call him, Al Bradley. He also wrote it, along with a man named Aldo Crudo, and it's a, it's a tale of a beast in space. It's a tale of a far-flung, a far-flung future Earth and the sort of shenanigans that we get up to once we're able to reach out into the stars. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, hour and a half long, basically a Star Trek episode, but uh, way more titties. Yeah, I think that it's worth pointing out that this is the cheesy Italian uh, ripoff of uh, Valerian Brauchik. I, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, but his uh, film The Beast. This is a uh, unofficial spinoff <laughs> from the Italians. Now, I know that I watched this film prior to watching this one just in case we watched it. Right. But, uh, I think that memory might have got stuck. Would you like to uh, maybe go over that one real quick? Just well, give me a basically, the Beast, and I believe the Beast started as a segment in his film Immoral Tales and was expanded out into a feature. Okay. But um, in The Beast, uh, it's essentially a bunch of old people fighting about an arranged marriage and this seemingly inbred uh i think he's a, a member of nobility of some sort is uh trying to be married off by his dad oh, God. and uh so this woman gets brought into the house but there's also this tale of one of their ancestors who looks just like her who uh was raped by a beast oh and um there's a bunch of titties in this, not quite as many as in The Beast in Space, probably. Sure. Um, but the one thing that this film does have is an absolutely astonishing beast rape. And while generally speaking, uh, Boss doesn't love rape scenes. No, I, um, I do. This one... <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about how this could be used against us. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, this is pretty wild cinema. Uh, there is a uh, beast dick on display in this film that is kind of like a a wolf or a, some sort of beast's dick. Uh, oh. It's not humanish, uh, and it ejaculates, and it's pretty nuts. Wow. There's also a good twist at the end. I think that it's a it was a film that delighted me watching it. Um, but the fact that that is kind of what the beast in space is built off of is pretty amusing because really the only thing that they have in common is, uh, non-consensual beast sex. <laughs> and, uh, that's something I can always get down to. Oh, and also, uh, Serpa Lane. Is in both? Yes, uh, she is the woman who is raped by the Beast in The Beast. No. Oh. And uh, she is the lead woman in this film. Yes, Sandra. Yes, Sandra. The, the captain of outer space. Yes, the... <laughs> Sandra, the captain of outer space. No, she's just a lieutenant. Our captain is Larry Madison. Yeah. Played by Vasily Caris. 
Yeah, what a dude he is. Yeah, these are mostly um, Italians. I don't really know any of them beyond uh, Serpa Lane, obviously, because I watched that movie that she was in. And then I watched this one where also she was in. Oh, yes. Um, We've also got a beast, a beast named uh, Onaf. Oh, yes. Onaf the Beast. Yes. And I love him. Oh, also, Venetino Venetini is Juan Cardosa. Oh, yes. The, uh, the Han Solo. The Han Solo of this film, yeah. <laughs> he's got more of a frilly Seinfeld shirt, but he's got the black and white get-up ensemble down to a T. <laughs> uh, so, with that little bit of background in mind, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back to blast off to space where we're going to go beast hunting all right all right switched our brains back ow my body yeah i've been really using it (laughs) (laughs) i made good use of those small hands yeah (laughs) well uh i should probably sanitize them but it's too late you gotta press forward because we were back from break oh yeah so let's talk about the beast in space so uh we see some shots of a star field with credits and we see some people walking around outside, some guys in uniforms with dogs. dogs. We're not really uh, introduced to exactly what the situation is here. It's like Moss Eisley, you know? It's just where people get together and have a good old time. Uh, scum and villainy? I mean, yeah. I mean, some of them, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. This is where they meet the Han Solo, so it... I guess it that all, makes sense. It all ends up. Uh, there's some electronic music playing. We get some shots of people working in a control room. And then we see a guy walk into a lounge area and look around. It's our mustachioed hero. Yes. This, Larry. This is uh, Captain Larry Madison. Which is a very uninspiring like space hero name. Yeah, I definitely thought that Madison was a pretty lame captain name. Mm-hmm. It's no Captain Kirk. It's no Captain Ron. captain madison sees a woman alone she's got like silver paint on her forehead yeah like david bowie right he uh exchanges some glances with her and goes up to the bar and kind of casts some more looks at her but some other guy shows up uh this is juan cardosa yes juan cardosa Venetino Venetini. Old Han Solo himself. Yeah. El Solo. El? La? What are the... Il. Il Solo. Yes, Il Solo. Yeah, Il Solo. Like, <laughs> Luce. I love those guys. Oh, yeah, Solo, the 140 Days of Sodom. <laughs> Oh, boy. 120. It's too many days. It's 120. It's 140. Is it? Uh, in the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> there are more days. No, it's 120. <laughs> uh, so Juan sits down next to the woman who had been exchanging glances with uh, Captain Madison. This is Sandra, played by Serpa Lane. Yes. Uh, he explains to her that he's in the trade association. Uh, he's chatting her up, yeah. telling her she's fabulous, and talking about his love techniques he learned in Alpha Centauri. That's pretty cool. 
<laughs> Captain. Uh, have you been there? Alpha Centauri? Yeah. Not that I can recall. I don't know. My memory doesn't work anymore after our brain switch. Oh, yeah. There's just huge chunks missing. <laughs> I'm going to have to work on object permanence again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, there's some great little like throwaway lines in here. Um, like one side, guy says to get him a bottle of Uranus milk. Uh, yes. And another guy says, don't break my asteroids. <laughs> As Juan's chatting with Sandra, Captain Madison approaches. Uh, he gets heated and Juan gets heated as well. So Captain Madison kicks Juan's ass. Yeah. Already, there's a lot more fighting in this than I would expect. Right. Decently choreographed, too. He uh, he, he rocks Han, Han Solo's shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, Captain Madison tells Sandra that he doesn't like trade men. He talks about how uh, he just came back from an asteroid that looked like a mandrill's ass. He was looking for Antalium metal. That's kind of the, the the MacGuffin of the film, I yes, suppose. We need more Antalium. Yeah, it can do basically anything. Like it powers starships and computers and is used for like building shit and yeah, all, just everything basically. It's just an amazing element. And we don't know they don't know where to find it for the most part. He continues to flirt with Sandra, but then Juan starts stirring again, so Captain Madison whoops his ass again. Afterwards, Madison picks up a necklace or con little container on a chain off the ground. Sandra asks him why he doesn't put his energy into something more entertaining, like making love. He asks her if they should go upstairs. So we cut to a bava-lit room. Yeah, it's definitely very Bava. Where uh, Sandra and Captain Madison's hands are interlocked, and we kind of see them writhing around. She's on top of him. They're making out. He kisses down her body as she writhes around. She sucks his thumb a bit. Yes. We then cut to later, and they're laying in bed cuddling, and we zoom in on her head. We now, see her dream. I know this film had, like, I guess some insert work done later. Right. There's one jarring one in this where he's like cupping her breasts, but they're not in like the same position anymore. None of the lighting's the same. Right. Uh, not the best insert work. No, there's definitely some mismatched pubic hair. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, I think they look a little bit later, but that might be because the scene isn't lit quite so uh, bobbly. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't even bother to throw in some color, it's going to really stand out. And it did. Right. So, uh, thanks. So, we see her dream in bed. She's running through the woods. We see some boots chasing after her. Then she wakes up screaming and startles Captain Madison. She tells him that she keeps having these dreams. She finds a large castle and feels like she's being watched. She sees a banquet, and then she's in the woods, and someone grabs her and pulls out her breasts, and she's frightened so much she wakes up. You can tell by his expression as she tells us that he regrets asking her about this dream. Yes, he clearly does not give one shit, because yeah. he goes right back to sleep yeah, as she's still explaining it. Yeah, he's like, I should never have said anything. It was a mistake. I'm back to sleep. <laughs> I'm going back to bed. I'm bailing out. This is why you don't have people overnight. Yeah. If you don't want to hear people's dreams, don't um, kick them out later. So she gets out of bed and gets in the shower. We then cut to later, and we see Captain Madison showing his uh, colleagues in the space fleet the necklace he found that fell from Juan. Mm-hmm. The person he's talking to confirms that it was Antillium in the necklace. And the amount there was enough for an army. So now they need to figure out where this Antillium was found. So he's tasked with tracking down the traitor, Juan. Madison returns to the bar and sees a couple of traitors by the bar who are being pricks, but they're not his man. 
he orders some Uranus milk as well. And a woman approaches, asking if he's sad, drinking all alone. She immediately offers him sex, saying that she's been on a ship with all women for months. He says maybe later, and as he's talking, he sees Juan appear. And he tells her, well, maybe it'll be over soon. So he jumps up after Juan and is knocked back onto the couch that he jumped up from. He gets back up and they start to fight again. Juan tells him that tonight he's not drunk, and so they go back and forth talking trash and punching. A couple of others try to attack him, and he knocks them away. Some cops show up, and Madison tells him to take them away. Uh, he confirms with them that he's a captain of the space fleet, so whatever he says goes, I guess. Yeah. He then asks the woman who is talking to him if her offer still stands, which it does. We don't get to see this one. No, we don't. It was, uh, they didn't film anything, so there was, you couldn't just insert your way through it. Right. <laughs> we cut to Madison with some other Space Fleet dudes. They say they weren't able to get Juan Cardosa, but they did get two members of his crew on the Ustar spaceship. The crew members confirmed that they found the Antalium on Loragon. So now the space fleet is going to send Madison to Loragon uh, on a ship with an Antillium detector. Oh, good. So we see a bunch of space model exteriors and then cut to Madison and his crew in silver and red outfits. He's being introduced one at a time to the members of the ship and sure enough, he comes across Sandra as one of the crew members. We watch a model spaceship take off, and we see this ship flying through space. The crew's doing that sci-fi thing where they, like, do a checklist of the boosters and shields and stuff like that. Uh, but they head off. We cut from there to Sandra in some other room looking at some plants. Yeah. Madison talks to her, says that he was surprised to see her, and she was surprised to see him. She does mention that she was very taken with him, and unfortunately the conversation has to pause there as Madison gets called to the bridge of the ship. He tells her that she should get some rest. We get more models flying through space, and we see Sandra in bed writhing around. We see her running in the woods, and, and it cuts to her seemingly being raped, but also cuts to different people having sex as well. Yes. Uh, more consensual sex. Yeah. We see her wake up. She's being called on a monitor to report to the command room due to an emergency. She gets in there and we have a big screen that they're all looking at, all Star Trek-like. Yeah, definitely heavy Star Trek vibes through this whole thing. On screen, there are two spaceships ahead and they don't know who they are, but they're also apparently headed to Loragon. So they prepare the ship for combat, and at that point, Juan shows up on the screen and says he's not going to let them get to Loragon. He says he's sad that he has to disintegrate Sandra, but uh, they continue to attack. Madison's ship blows up one of the two ships ahead of him. The remaining two ships kind of hit each other and kind of spin away from each other. Yes, it's a, quite an epic space battle. The likes of which you might see in a Star Wars film, perhaps. Right. So don't watch this for yourself. Just believe what I'm telling you. There are lasers. <laughs> there's uh, galaxies. You see a guy. They penetrate the hole. And a man gets sucked through. And his eyeballs blow up. <laughs> and his guts come out. And he gets all gross looking. But then they're okay. Because they crash on this big matte painting of a planet. <laughs> Uh, so the space fleet home base can't reach them now. Their ship continues to spin, and the crew tries to stabilize it. After a bit, they do get it to stop spinning, but they're damaged. And they note that Loragon's gravitational pull is pulling them closer. They have to fight the gravitational pull with thrusters, but their ship's damaged and might explode if they do. 
but uh, they try and don't explode. I'm gonna say, uh, just as a sidebar, that your like government battleship shouldn't be disabled by like some little merchant's like space yacht. Yeah, I think that's a bad design. <laughs> They set their sights on landing the ship and send the little pod down to land on the planet. This being Loragon that they've made it to. They note that the atmosphere is safe for humans, so a couple of people are left behind to work on the ship, but the rest go out on the planet to look for Antallium with the Antallium detector. So they go outside and Sandra has the detector. She notes that there's a weak signal. Uh, but they don't get but a few feet away from the ship before they're approached with some sort of scary robot and run back inside. Yeah. You can see its red eyes reflecting against the ship. Yes. But we don't really get a full shot of it. No, not yet. Uh, there's also, like, I think bits of the robot in her dream, too, right? There's, like, clanking, like, metal boots and stuff. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's dreams of a of the scary robot. Who looks like a something from Doctor Who, like from like the like one of the seventies uh, episodes. Right. He's uh, very clunky, but I love it. I love the hard work that obviously went into making this goofball-looking robot. Right. As the others start to run inside, Sandra screams, "It's him!" And Madison has to grab her and pull her into the ship because she's frozen. They shut the door to the ship and hide inside and regroup. Madison says that he's going back out for the Antallium and tells them that in an emergency they can use the Arrow Spider to reach them. Unfortunately, we don't get to see the Arrow Spider. No, there's no... There's no Arrow Spider to be found. Not at all. What is an Arrow Spider? I don't know. I wanted to find out. Hmm... The crew's back on foot on the planet, walking around. Uh, this time, they're not run off by a giant robot. Their signal gets stronger as they approach a cave. It's worth noting everybody's in a leather suit Yeah. for their uh, expedition. Mm-hmm. Green leather, orange leather. Yeah. It's beautiful, snug leather spacesuits. They explore a while in the caves and hear some sounds that concern them, but don't see anything. We get a shot where they walk off screen, and then we see some silhouettes emerge nearby. We cut back to the crew, and now they're walking through a woodsy, swampy area. Sandra notes that it's the landscape from her dream. They've also seemed to have lost the signal for the Antallium detector. One of the crew members mentions feeling suddenly furious. Another says that they feel strange and kind of sick as well. Madison tells them to get going. Uh, then we get to see some horse fucking. Yeah, these horses fuck for a while. They do, and it's uh, the aspect ratio of it is different than that of the film, so it's kind of stretched out. Yeah, it looks... It's definitely... I guess from maybe some other kind of stock footage or something right. of horses fucking on a farm uh, and it gets everyone pretty horned up. <laughs> uh, in the film, the beast, it starts with a bunch of horse sex. Okay. So this is like probably first, a rip off of that specifically. Yeah, the first half of this film is just to get us to the beast. Yes. Basically. And you know what? Um, you know, it's a, uh, and think we would ever, we'd ever see some animals talking. That's animal porn, right? Yeah. Like if a horse watched that, they would truly enjoy it. Perhaps I would think so. I would think so. I don't know how good their vision is. Yeah. Um. Let's get a projector and a horse. Yeah. Yeah. We'll show them horse horses fucking, and we'll measure the response. Then we'll show them that scene from Emmanuel in America. Yeah, we'll see how they react to that. <laughs> what if the horse is like just like horrified and tramples us? The horse is going to report us to the authorities. Oh, no. They never should have given horses civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
One of the female crew members starts to caress herself as they're watching. One of the crew members says that they must be in a magnetic field. They continue on, but they seem lost. They mention the radio doesn't work. They just continue to wander. Sandra then points out that she sees the castle from her dreams, which has a strange facade to it, but definitely doesn't look like a castle. No, it, I really don't know what it looks like. The entrance to a P.F. Chang's, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like a sort of a portal. The door seals behind them as they enter. They make their way in and wander for a bit. Sandra notes that she sees a shadow. The different crew members start to feel weird. They mention vibrations in their bodies, their vision going strange. Madison says that they should find a way out, uh, and they continue to wander. This movie's about walking around. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. <laughs> Do you like when people walk around a lot in a movie? Usually, no. No, yeah. Remember we watched, uh, what was it, like the phobe experiments or whatever? Yes. And that was about 80%. Just two people walking around uh, somewhere, I think, in Canada. Yeah, it was Canadian. I think it was Phobe, the Xenophobic Experiments yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting, but it was also way too much walking around. Yeah. <laughs> That's also how I feel about uh, Joe D'Amato's Anthropophagus. Mm -hmm. um, it has like a couple of the most awesome scenes I've ever seen in a gory horror movie. Yeah. But it's also like 85% people just walking around. If people are just going to be fucking off, I would rather watch them take up and put down uh, circus equipment. Yeah. Yeah, carnival stuff. Yeah, like... Uh, Fun House and Carnival of Blood and Malatesta's yeah. Carnival of Blood. She Freak and... Uh, Carnival Magic. Yeah, Carnival Magic. That's an Al Adamson one. No one dies in that, but... There is a talking monkey. There is a talking monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I love Al Adamson. Who he, else would make Satan Sadists and Carnival Magic? That's true. That's quite an over. Yeah, Let's talk about the beast again. Sandra gets distracted looking around and is separated with the rest of the crew. They don't notice that she's back and they run around in circles and then realize that Sandra is gone. They go back to look for her, but the lights flicker and the next thing you know, Captain Madison awakens in a room. There are a bunch of couches and lounges, and in the middle is a table. A table set up for a banquet. Ah, yes. Like in the dream. Exactly. Whoa. You think this is the place from her dream? Perhaps. Only time will tell. Go on. A group of people walk in and introduce themselves, including Juan Cardona himself. They change his last name here. Juan Cardosa. Yeah, well, they say it wrong in the film, too. Oh, do they? Yeah, I think he changes it from Juan Cardosa to, I think, Juan Cardona, like you said. Juan chatters with Madison a bit. Also, Sandra makes eyes with the leader there, who is Onaf. He was the man in gown from her dreams. Oh, no. Uh, but he introduces himself as the ruler and owner of the planet. He explains it was the mighty Zokor who caused them to have to land, not the damage sustained in space battle. He explains that Zokor is an old computer powerful enough to move planets across the cosmos, powered by Antalium. He says that Antalium affects the body and prevents aging. So as long as he's on the planet and Zokor is functional, he won't age at all. Onaf admits that he made the crew come down to them because he wanted to smell the beautiful flowers among them. Yes, that means women. They all sit at the table together and continue to talk. Apparently when Juan visited the planet before, Zokor almost killed him. And now Zokor is very concerned uh, with protecting the Antalium. 
Zokor had the Antalium extracted from the planet's surface and now keeps it all inside of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he keeps all... Is it all in him? I know he said that he keeps, like, 22 kilograms. Maybe that's all of it. But anything, maybe he drilled it and, like, moved it somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's a, he's a computer that can move a planet. His ways are far beyond me. Right. Are you better than this machine? Are you more capable than Z- Zokor? If I had some Antalium, I think I, I think so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, he's got an advantage over me. I don't have any precious metals. <laughs> Onaf says the Zokor has complete control of their minds if he wishes. Um, they are then served at the table by a bunch of blonde boys. Yeah. Who are uh, the servants for Onaf and Zokor. Yes, they are the golden men. Indeed they are. The crew members are eating, and then they start getting all horny with each other. Couples seem to start forming. One of them mentions being dizzy. Onaf is watching them, and he and Sandra exchange glances. Madison's making out and kissing with another crew woman. Uh, a couple of other crew members are getting started, and Onaf puts his hand on Sandra's back. They exchange looks again, and he touches her face. We then see Onaf and Sandra walking in the woods. We see Sandra's dress is torn, and she leans back on a tree, and uh, Onaf goes to kiss her, but she jogs off. We see other crew members... Uh, on the ground, naked, and getting all sexy with one another. Mm-hmm. Onaf approaches Sandra again, and they start making out. There's some caressing and tongue kissing, and he does a little bit of titty nibbling. <laughs> She's sitting on his lap, and they start to get into it. And we see them walk off and cut back to the other crew members grinding. We get back to Sandra and Onaf, and he's uh, starting to get at it. Then he stands up, makes a grimacing face, and then rips off his uh, gown to reveal his beastly lower half. Yeah, he was Torgo. He was Torgo all along. Yeah, um, and he wants a wife. He uh, has a beastly lower half and a uh, probably like a 15-inch but like 3-inch wide cock. It's quite large. Um I'm kind of disappointed that it's not animalistic, i got to be honest. Yeah, the one in The Beast is a little more impressive for that. Yeah, this one is just a very large cock, which they could have just got John Holmes. <laughs> they really should have. Yeah. Um, now, this dick is, it seems too big to fit into her. <laughs> it certainly is, does. Uh, which is understandable, but disappointing. She yells out and runs. He continues after her, and she hides in a hut. She hears his hooves stomping around. Uh, Then he finds her, pointing his big schlong at her. She gets up and screams, and he comes at her and throws her to the ground and mounts her. We see a hardcore insert here with a uh, vagina with graying pubic hair Mm -hmm. uh, that gets mildly penetrated by a big beast schlong. Yes. Do you think that was an insert? I assume so. Probably. Uh, I mean, we see her pubes in other scenes, and they yeah, don't look like they're that. They're not green. I thought maybe it was a light. I don't know. Maybe uh, not. Maybe it was. I don't know. I'm going to say insert. I'm certain it was an insert. We cut to the other crew members doing it. We get some hardcore fellatio. Um... And the hardcore inserts for it have them in a different position than the non-hardcore shots that they're cutting back and forth to. They certainly do. We cut to some vaginal penetration, and basically we cut back and forth to all three of these couples fucking. The the beast raping Sandra, and the two couples of crew members going at it. Um, especially the beast scene, though. We see Juan watching some of the action going on and some more close-up penetration shots. Juan then pops something into his mouth, and we cut back to the banquet table. 
I thought he ate a little piece of antallium. Because I thought he got it from the thing from his neck. But I was like, he doesn't have that anymore. And I was like, it's probably like a Viagra jelly bean so he can go <laughs> fuck. Yes, he's going to fuck all night. We cut back to the banquet table. Everybody is hanging out and laughing as a psychedelic oil slides being projected on the wall. We see some more fucking in the banquet room, including Onaf making out with a topless Sandra. Juan is crawling around trying to be sneaky on the floor. He gives Madison a pill to swallow. Madison kind of becomes alert and says that he had a dream where he was a puppet. He said that the host had the legs of a fawn and the member of a horse (laughs) and was making it with Sandra. Juan says it wasn't a dream, it actually happened. It's just now that his mind is clear uh, because he gave him a gram of psychotine. Yeah, it sobers you right up. Juan says that he's found his clothes and weapons and they must leave now to destroy Zokor. Juan says that they'll have to leave Sandra here to keep him occupied and also mentions he thinks Onaf is the physical manifestation of Zokor. Juan and Madison give pills to the other crew members and take off. We see Onaf and Sandra for a little more and then cuts the rest of the crew members running through the woods and shooting these uh, blonde servants. Yes. Uh, They run into a cave where the computer's supposed to be and uh, get into a long fight with a bunch of these blonde servants and blast them away. And they turn out to be robots. Uh, yes, and we find out in the middle of a totally not lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, they shoot and slice their way through the robots and continue on. Uh, one of the crew members, who is just now referred to as Frida, tries to rush forward but runs into an energy screen and is disintegrated. Yeah, she's gone. You just learned her name. That's it for her. Yeah. Madison then shoots a control box, and apparently that deactivated the screen, and they continue on. Yeah. It was not a problem for long, just long enough to murder Frida. Yeah, well, she should have been smarter. (laughs) She should have blasted the control box like he did. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Juan and Madison finally run up on Zocor as the other crew members stay behind and shoot more blonde servants. Juan tells Madison that if they make any mistakes, they're dead. So then Juan and Madison approach Zokor, and Juan acts like he's like giving Madison a tour and explaining the computer to him. Zokor tells them to stay away and that the Antalium belongs to him. He starts blasting at them with lasers, and they hide behind a corner. We cut to more shots of the crew members blasting the blonde servants. Juan then pulls out a gadget he refers to as a tranquilizer, which explodes on Zokor, which starts yelling out about errors and stuff. We see Onaf with Sandra. He jumps up and just kind of locks up where he is. Sandra sits up unsure of what's happening. Madison, in the other room, pulls some wires out of Zokor, but as he does... There's like an electrical pop and he gets knocked back. Uh, At which point Juan picks up the briefcase of Antalium because it was in a briefcase inside of Zocor. Yeah, it was all inside like some kind of unit that was connected to him that was also a suitcase. Yes. It's easy to move it around. So Juan picks up the Antalium and takes off. Zocor pleads to them explaining that without the Antalium the planet will die. We then see Sandra, who's now alone, wandering in the caves. We then see Juan emerge from a cave with his case of Antalium. There's more of a shootout with the crew and the robots, and Madison emerges, and they tell him that Juan took off with the box. We then see Zokor exploding and cut to the crew running out of the cave. One asks where Sandra is, and... Uh, Madison says they need to secure the ship first. We then see a robot with glowing red eyes watching Sandra as she walks in the caves. The robot corners her, and she has flashes to the beast earlier. 
She then drops her clothes, and we see her react in terror to the bot. Yeah, I was hoping we were going to see a big bot schlong here. Yeah. She lays down, and we get more flashes back to the beast with an intense red light and some screamy sound effects. We then see Zokor yell about having lost all his antalium and that the planet's going to explode. We then cut to Sandra standing outside of the ship. Madison yells at her to get on the ship and she runs in and they try to take off. We see more blonde bots shooting at the ship as they scramble to take off and finally they do. We then see the shuttle they took down to the surface dock with the main ship and they decide to get away as fast as they can. We then see a volcano explode, and perhaps Laragon itself explodes. It's not really clear. That seems to be the case. There's like an explosion that echoes through space that I'm... Right. It's not quite the Death Star destroying Alderaan, but uh, I'll take it. (laughs) Madison says that he's afraid Juan didn't make it. But Juan pops up on their screen, informing them otherwise, offering to sell his Antalium to the fleet for two million credits. It doesn't seem like a lot. No, but I don't know, I don't know what, what credits credit. are worth these days. Yeah. Well, there's got to be in credit inflation. This was like 40 years ago. That's true. So, it's probably like several billion credits by today's standards. Probably. Yeah. They make contact with home base and uh, declare the mission complete. So, we see the ship floating towards the camera... And then we freeze and get credits. And that was the beast in space. It needed more beast. It did need more beast. But I'll say a lot of space. It did have like quite a bit of space. So. More space than we've seen so far. So I'm going to chew on that and think about my review. You want to take a little break? Yeah, we'll take a break and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on the beast in space. My brain's all scattered from all the switching. My brain's all scattered because I've been drinking brown liquor. Oh, yeah, me too. But it's also hyper-focused like a laser beam, so I'm going to go ahead and do this review. All right, go for it. The Beast in Space. I'm going to go ahead and throw a boss under the bus. This was his pick. It is, I guess it's a sexploitation film. It's not quite yeah. a hardcore film. It doesn't really fall into the realm of something like Malabimba. Yeah. Um, that said, I enjoyed it as just like a science fiction film. It's got uh, a lot of that old original series Star Trek and like mid-70s Doctor Who kind of charm where it's just some nerds touching down on a planet and getting into hijinks. Right. <clears throat> I will say... I like this more than than Star Trek because there was some B-stick, which they always tease but never show on Star Trek. Because those nerds at CBS, perhaps? Yeah. Those nerds at CBS wouldn't allow it. They barely let Kirk and Uhura kiss. So you think they were going to show B-stick? The answer to that is no. Unfortunately. Oh, it was a pretty enjoyable film all around. I don't want to bad mouth it at all. It had a pretty fun cast. I liked a lot of the characters. I liked the Han Solo uh, merchant. Mm-hmm. I like Captain Larry Madison, despite his unfortunate name. <laughs> he just likes to fucking kick ass. And, you know, yeah. that, that's pretty cool for a science fiction film. Uh, that's the kind of science fiction I, I like. Uh, tough guys 
Tough boys. Tough boys. Fucking ladies with three titties. Mostly a well-made film uh, for what seemed like something that was definitely just like the trashy Italian knockoff of a like a Polish art film. Is he Polish? Bor- Borshawick? Probably. He's from some Czech. He's in that region of Europe where all the maps I have still have the USSR. So I don't know where any of the countries are. He's Polish. Excellent. They were part of the USSR that you two did a song about that, I think. Anyway. The Beatles did a song about that. No, they were just in the USSR. They are back in the USSR because they were always communist agents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They're back to report to the KGB. Yeah. But this film's a pretty fun little trashy Italian science fiction film. I would say if you like stuff like uh, Shocking Dark or Rat's Night of Terror or like Bava stuff like Planet of the Vampires or um, even some, I guess some of his horror films too, I think it would be worth checking out. I wouldn't necessarily put it under the film, the adult film banner so much. I feel like there's like Towards the end, yes, it really gets into it. There's orgies and stuff. Right. But I feel like it takes a long time. And for the most part, the stuff we tend to cover has sex scenes that are dotted more throughout. Even Things to Come, which didn't really have many direct sex scenes, had a lot of like little snippets and uh, sketches, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Vignettes. I enjoyed it as kind of like more like a classic science fiction tale, I think, where you know, there's spaceship, like hard sci-fi where people are blasting off in spaceships and going to alien planets to, uh, steal all their shit. Right. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it on that level. For me, this film's probably about a 3.5. I found it entertaining, but, uh, overall better than Famalian too. Yeah, for and sure. Better than some other stuff we've watched. Generally, uh, just an entertaining, trashy kind of film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I said earlier, I do wish the beast dick had been more bestial or that there had been a robot dick at the end to kind of really set it all off. Yeah. Yeah. Because that beast does get, that robot gets a hold of her. Yeah, yeah, it does. And we don't ever get to see, I bet it would look crazy. It would look like it was out of uh, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's an insane drill for a dick. Uh, But yeah, 3.5 from me. Chabelle. Yes. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Jeremy. Oh, no, I'm going to turn it over to Boss. Sorry, our brains were unscrambled, but the process, she is long. Yes, we are still working our way through it. Do you remember what happened to us when we were six? Uh, the thing with the aluminum foil and the olive oil? Yeah. We made, uh, we made those potatoes. Oh, yeah. We seasoned them <laughs> in olive oil, and they were delicious. They were. We wrapped them in aluminum foil. They were so good. Tasty potatoes. And we burnt down the house because we were six. Yes, and had no business cooking. Yeah, <laughs> especially fine cuisine. Indeed. Uh, so, <laughs> The Beast in Space is quite a ride. Um, I was anticipating this film uh, like a month ago mm-hmm. and watched the the beast yes kind of in preparation thinking that it would share a little bit more dna with this like i knew it was futuristic but i thought maybe it would share more like plot similarities Mm -hmm. um but that was clearly not the case no that being said uh it is an interesting comparison to make between the two because uh they're very very different with just uh an actress and a uh, a, beast. a beast sex scene to link them together. Uh, overall, The Beast in Space was a fun little film to watch. Uh, I would agree that it doesn't really fall too far into the category of erotic films. Mm-hmm. I expected a little bit more out of it, being that this was the hardcore version of the film. Right. Um, but, you know, because we're watching new movies for this show, we'll... Not always get it right. <laughs> no, no. It was 
because I kind of watched it in halves. Mm-hmm. I watched one one day and I was texting you. I was like, I don't know if there's enough in this, but once I hit like, once they hit the castle, I was like, okay, this will do. Right. There's enough in there. Um, it just takes a while to get to it. Yeah, and there's a lot of walking around. Is though they do get horned up watching the horses, like licking their fingers and touching themselves through their spacesuits and right. stuff. So that uh, that's that point five in there that I gave it <laughs> <laughs> just for that. That's fair. Yeah, because yeah. that was weird enough. I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. They should have just given the beast a horse dick. They really should have. Like, just, like, you could sculpt one. It's not that hard. That's okay. They're Italians. They are trying their very best. And to be clear, they used a, a dildo dick here. Yeah. It's not like uh, the geek where we had just a man's penis coming through a hole in the costume. No. Um, I will say, though, like, yeah, having seen Driller before this, that kind of set my standard for what a oh, yeah. frightening dick in a porn film could be. Right, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> this one didn't rotate at all. No, not at all. It was just a, just a big dick dildo. And I mean, you know, it was a giant dick, a scary dick in that sense. Yeah. But it, it lacked a little bit of creativity. Yeah, it needed more character. Uh, that being said, though, I would agree with your general association between this and an episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I like me some... Uh, original series Star Trek. Oh, yeah. It's a fun little time, and I love when they go down on the planet and they're like, "Kirk, you're white. You're a god to these people." <laughs> you know, man. Have you seen that one in like season three? He like goes to visit. Uh, it's a planet that looks like Earth, and the aliens are basically Native Americans, and they worship him as a god because he's like a white man from the sky. No, it I haven't is, seen uh, that one. I don't think it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this one doesn't become quite as problematic in that sense. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it has an interesting take on all of this and, uh, it certainly had my interest the whole way through. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that there's a bit more just walking around and nothing happening that I would like, Mm -hmm. but you know, it it has a lot of charm along the way. I had a good time watching it, and it has I fake would, lightsabers. It does have fake lightsabers. Can't go it's got wrong little with robot that. men that yeah. all look the same with their gold hair. Yeah, I love them. They look like um, they look something out of like an Austin Powers movie. I don't know. Yeah, they're very bizarre. <laughs> so it's got a lot going for it in that sense. Um, Overall, I'm going to give it three stars. Okay. Just, there's just a little too much walking around for me. Yeah. Uh, but there are some good highlights along the way, and uh, it's definitely worth checking out if uh, you have your expectations in check as far as the amount of sex that's in it. Yeah, don't go into it expecting a uh, full-fledged porno film, and I think you'll uh, you'll have a good time. A beastly good time. Yes, well, that's another one in the raincoat files for us. Mm-hmm. We learned about the mark of the beast. It's called cum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will you take the, the mark? Uh, Perhaps. Okay, get over here. No. Okay. If you're going to check us out, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Don't check us out on Facebook. Because I canceled that a long time ago. Sometimes I get notifications that we get views. And I have to wonder if someone like heard like that one episode and was like, I'll go check it out real quick and then see that <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> uh, I want to say Instagram, Twitter, at Raincoat Report, Raincoat Report at gmail.com, Raincoat Report on Zenga, Raincoat <laughs> Report on Live Journal, Dead Journal. Um, GeoCities. No, they shut that down. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, they shut that down quick. They did not want me on GeoCities. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's this one. That's our social media. I control it. If you want <laughs> to talk to me, who is Jeremy and not boss anymore, I think, then <laughs> what you must do is DM me. I'll talk back to you. I'll have a little dialogue. I would like to hear from you. I want to know what you think works, what's not working. 
What's uh? How do you like the ad? Tell me about the ad. <laughs> the ad. Yeah. It's the. Mo- <laughs> We're just gonna talk about the ad for ten percent of each episode from now on. Yeah, we want to know how that one's doing. Are you enjoying it? Should we re-record it with my voice? Perhaps these are the, these think, are the things we, we we need to know. I think I need to re-record it. I, I feel like I stumbled at one point. You did, and I also was like long-winded, or yeah. at least talked too slowly. You recorded it at like one in the morning, so it's oh, okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was filled with liquor too. Yeah, you're filled with liquor. This is happening a couple days later because it got too late to do a second one. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. We will probably re-record it at some point. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's all dynamically inserted into the episode, so if we fixed it by now, then the, ep- the ad that you've heard in this episode, if you've listened to it much later and we fixed the ad, perhaps the ad will already be fixed. <laughs> uh, until then, don't forget your raincoat. 